yesterday had a haircut. Um, by who? My dad cut my hair, basically. Which, I mean, it's a good three inches shorter than I asked for. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. Okay. Yeah, and he was he was like... Well, I, I, he watched. I was like, we watched a video, like a two-minute video on how to cut hair, and then, like, I sat down, I had my hair all wet, and I was like, right, okay, and then two minutes later, my hair was all chopped off, and I was just like, because you know, my he's very like he's normally very careful and like cautious and like precise, just kind of mm-hmm. what I was thinking. Well, yeah, for. I know he is, yes, but it was gone in like two minutes. It's <laughs> like. Wow. And he was like, so should we try it then? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I have a, a haircut. All right, okay. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping we're locked up for like another month. Are you not going to send me a fish or something? No. Mm, no. No, okay. Well, I might do that at right. some point. It's not perfectly straight. It looks. It look, doesn't look half bad. Right, well, well, these are desperate times. I mean, I'm... It's sort of it's almost t- turning into a bit of a, a stereotype now with with the bus cuts going around, you know, and oh, it's too mainstream for you. Oh yeah, well, I've, yeah, exactly. You adopted it before exactly. it was cool. I feel really uncomfortable because I I shave my hair thin. I do it myself, right? Shave as short yeah. as, I, as I can without looking like I'm balding, and. And then, and then this bloody pandemic comes along, and now I walk down the street and everybody just looks like me and is really uncomfortable, including all of my well, family members. Who shouldn't be out and about? That bloody, that bloody family quiz we've got, or Zoom quiz we've got, you know, with my whole extended family. I mean, it's just a bunch of me's sitting around. It's it's nuts. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I'm, I'm not happy about it, to be honest with you. I'm not happy about it. And I was growing my hair and my beard uh, as long as possible. That was the idea during, during right. the pandemic because I thought I could just come back and people wouldn't quite recognize me and they'd think I was Jesus and then, you know, no whole new religion would start and all the rest of it. Yeah. Um, but instead... Uh, I've naturally gotten really pissed off and realised why I have buzz cuts to begin with. Yeah. Um, for all of the reasons that doubtless you will have heard me ramble on about endlessly. Yeah. Uh, including my frustration with hairdressers, but I think that's a topic for another time. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. I was thinking about how I... Because I showed my dad a reference picture and I was like... Oh. I think I've, I've only ever once taken a reference picture to a hairdresser and instantly regretted oh, it. Like, I don't know if it's too. something me, people do. Me too, me too. I, I was like, oh, people do this, and this is what I want. But you always feel ridiculous because it's always like... You know, the worst thing happened to me. The worst thing happened to me. Yeah. I, I, I did exactly this. Oh, my God, that's just that's just seeped into my heart what you've just told me. <laughs> yeah. I'd, I'd um, repressed this. I... Uh, so I've had difficulties with hairdressers my whole life. I've hated every hairdresser. I've been very frustrated. And the ones I've had, I've ended up... Yeah, but I would I would clarify that you are quite a, a specific Oh, uh, okay. And none of that. None of that. I don't need the audience it's talking back to me while I'm performing. Option, I think. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I've had issues with hairdressers my whole life. And... And, and you know, there is that kind of scene from the movies where you've been in a reference photo or 
you know, it gets talked about. I know it's a thing, right? So I thought, okay, this time I'm going to bring in a reference image, just what it looked like, yeah? And I came in yeah. and I, like, bookmarked it on my phone or whatever. Wait. Hmm? How old were you? Oh, this wasn't too long ago, but I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> I mean, no, 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 no. It was like, okay, let's say, let's say it was... Um, uh, three years ago, let's, let's say it wasn't like it, yeah. it wasn't majorly recently. Maybe maybe a bit more than that, but but yeah, it was in my definitely in my adult life. And um, uh, anyway, so I came in, I, I sat down, and she's you know she gets the clippers out and all the rest of it, and he asks her if I want a coffee or whatever, and then. Um, and then uh, she says, okay, well, what can I do for you? Like they always do. And I'm like, well, yeah. I thought I'd be smart here and bring in a, uh, in a, in a photograph. <laughs> yeah. so, so I take it out without getting a response. And she takes one look at the photograph. Yeah. And, well, I hold up and I'm already awkward. I'm like, oh, well, you know, something a bit like this, I guess. And she takes one look at it and goes, oh, well, he's quite handsome, isn't he? <laughs> Oh no, no, that's the worst. <laughs> so I just, oh it's so God. awkward, isn't it? Why is it so? <sighs> it's not something people do, is it? It's just something people pretend to be. Exactly, do. I think I th- it must be because I mean, she, she, me showing her that. I mean, yeah, it was just it was one of the most awkward situations in my life. I think no, that's not true. I've been in a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, but, no, I'm sure you've had a lot more. But, but I mean, it, yeah. Awful. Oh man, I, I, I just, I just couldn't. do Her reaction just made me think. Well, have you ever seen? Has anyone ever done this to you before? Like shown a photo? I just felt like, like a, I don't know, like a eight year old whose mum has to be like, well, you, you, come on, Billy, you quite like that guy on TV, don't you? Um, let's get a photo up so that so the lady can see. Um, you know that kind of thing. That's what it felt like. But yeah. I was doing it to myself. Article, yes, I, I did read the article. I did read the article. And I thought it was. I thought it was very good, but it was written in a very dizzying way, which which irritates me partly. I had to say. It's written. It's well, yeah. It's written as if. Well, it's, do you want to tell us what the article is and then how it's written? Yeah, the article is about um, how this pandemic will affect the design of homes, and and it is talking about offices. Um, but mostly people's yeah. homes. It's interesting. It covers lots of topics, but it's written in a sort of. It's almost like um, almost feels a bit science fictiony. I don't know if that's me being crazy, but it seems everything is written as if this will happen. It's written quite. 
That's actually that's very astute as, of you. As if, yes. as, as if there's facts, which obviously nobody knows, but which is an interesting style to write in, and I don't mind. But um, yeah, it's an interesting choice. Uh, no, I did think it was really interesting, and and I mean, um, coming out of this pandemic, I think it's it's going to be it's going to be rather um, you know interesting knowing. Um, what repercussions it has on 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 architecture and, and design in general, but architecture is going to, of course, be the the obviously hit. Uh, maybe fine art, but well, I, I don't even think it would. Or industrial design as well. I should remember industrial yeah, design. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think also because in, in my job we talked to lots of um, healthcare workers, GPs, and stuff, and the way they are changing or have changed how they work in the past mm-hmm. few months and are probably never going to go back to how it was before. Because I think as soon as you... It's quite interesting, like, um, they've, like... People have talked about how they have had to clear out waiting rooms of all, like, magazines and stuff. And then when you think about magazines... Oh, God, yes, I hadn't thought about that at all. How disgusting is that? Like... That but you know infections going around generally. Mm-hmm. I will just slide in here a comment though, that although magazines, yes, as you say, correct, there is an element of of, of them being unhygienic. But to be completely honest with yeah. you, there is nothing grosses me out more than touchscreens, public touchscreens. That's true. That's very true. Because yeah, that's still a big thing. I don't know whether yeah they yeah I've never ever thought of that. Um, I don't know whether they're easy to maybe they're easy to clean and wipe down. Yeah, I mean the must. But you don't do it after every. When you think about the ones, you know the the like the self service ones you get in like a fast food restaurant, right? Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like like four a.m. in McDonald's. <laughs> I wasn't going to mention a specific company or a specific time of night, but but yes, indeed. Yeah, I might have to edit that. Out. <laughs> I'm really good at <laughs> well, yeah. Well, anyway, one of them. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, th- I mean, they gross me out. Yes, they do. Um, but if we were to move, you know, GPs or whatever, general practitioners yeah. into some sort of situation where um, they um, where they are forced to have touch screens in their waiting rooms or, or you know hospitals or whatever, yeah. I mean, it's not really solving it, is it? Um, the thing to remember, though, is that people are more is more necessary. It's it's still a necessity that they that they are you know entertained and you know their mind is kept occupied while they're waiting for you know hospital appointment. I mean that that's just that, that's yeah. just human nature. That makes sense, right? So is the solution then that we uh, we just do, we just make them sit on the phones more, or, you know, or because nobody brings a bloody book in except me. So um, yeah, it's exactly. Sort of, yeah, yeah. I mean, we sorry. My, my sort of overarching point here is that yes, these are concerns, sure, but you've got to put it in the context of. You know, what does that actually mean for society making some of these changes? Um, we, we, still need to, we still need to function. And if we're putting an over-reliance on germophobia, 
then that is going to make people more insular and, 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 and more antisocial potentially, potentially. I'm not saying they are, but, but, you know, it's not, it's not as simple as just taking the magazines out and going right now, stare at the wall. No, obviously, obviously not. But I think also the article kind of hints at some of those things as well. Like, um, some of the things that you like that it mentions, you kind of think, I don't think people are really going to do that, are they? Like, nobody's after all, some people will, but most people after this aren't going to have an like a, a special room in their house for cleaning stuff down or like an antibacterial room or, uh, mm-hmm. and I, I think, I think like the biggest thing I took from the article or this in general is like gardens and balconies and like people's access to the outside is so important before you get too into it i mean uh design and that typical um flat way of writing um it's very sort of uh primary school essay shall we say uh they very helpfully um put nice bold titles on top of everything oh yeah i'm all about a bold yeah title. yeah i'm not i'm not slagging the bold title don't get me wrong but um how do you feel about maybe just going through briefly and commenting on on each one of these titles or or the ones that interest us at least I think there are six of them yeah there's quite a few yeah yeah well yeah yeah Yeah? okay well well, first one's houses not apartments so how do you feel about less um yeah, well, less high rises, potentially less urbanisation. Um, I see repercussions here. Sorry, I'm asking you a question, but I'm just telling you what I think. Uh, I see. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I see repercussions here on, you know, potentially suburbanisation uh, extending further than perhaps should. That would be my. That's my first concern. But saying that. They're not necessarily. They're not necessarily saying, "Look, we should all live in a um, detached house with a garden and a golden retriever, and have it go on no. for miles and miles and miles." But they are saying that there should be more emphasis on outdoor spaces and this sort of stuff. Um, but it does. It does. Again, I always have to be be a bit critical of this because it does make me it does make me a little bit nervous. Just that we we might take the obvious solution. And the obvious solution um, that will appease most people is just to go, right, well, yeah, <laughs> there are no incentives to live more divided in, you know, suburbia, as opposed to actually learning to live in urban environments where you share resources and, you know, all these things that you and I hold, you know, very in, in very high regard, you know, just about communalism and, and you know that sort of stuff um so but if there's an opportunity to take some of these ghastly high rises that are around the country and there's some lovely hmm. ones there oh, no, 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 absolutely not, not. i'm not i'm not slagging high rises yeah. in general i'm saying there are some really nasty ones and they were probably put up yeah and there's all sorts of other issues that they they pose yeah. as well in terms yeah. of safety. Yeah, absolutely. But okay, so okay, perhaps not old ones, but if the new ones 
can be thinking about how to maybe have outdoor spaces, but more more stimulating interior interiors. And I don't mean the nicer IKEA a step up in the IKEA range. I mean like actually interiors that break up the space, or you know, that create uh, as with what verandas are obvious, but you know, this kind of stuff or particular views or you know this sort of stuff. And then also things think about hygiene a bit more. Then that would be. That would be um, advantageous. I think that would be really interesting. But as I say, yeah. that, as always, is, it puts a lot of weight on the architect and and legislators are still that requires a cultural change to to commission an architect to do that and for architects to build that way. And I'm not saying that's impossible, but I, I fear that more likely this will come as legislation rather uh, from public pressure, not public culture. And it will result in, in quick decisions that we will, you know, perhaps need to pay for in the future because we've built houses that are, you know, poorly designed and yada, yada, yada problems that we currently have, uh, but with different emphasis. Yeah. Yeah. I think another, well, I think part of the problem that people are having, maybe at the moment in high rises sharing stairs and lifts and corridors yes. that kind of thing which doesn't really go away but i think i think you could probably can feel quite trapped up there and uh, well that's that's the thing right it's, it's it's two issues it's the shared spaces and it's the uh, private spaces and the private spaces yeah. we can talk about better design and making them more stimulating and all this kind of stuff ultimately that costs money. And if somebody's yeah. building thousands of flats, are they likely to to spend that bit extra making sure that each one doesn't have a false window and, you know, each one has... But what if it just became, um, like, the law that everybody needs at least this amount of windows or a balcony of this size at least or access to a courtyard... That is a certain size between so many people. What if that was just yes, different? yes, sure. But you get into the realm of the law being so complicated that either things don't get built, or the law gets only becomes a tick box system, yeah. where developers then tick in. You know, just just oh yes, we've got we've got a a, a balcony. Uh, it says it needs to be at least at least you know a square meter. Okay, well we'll do it here and we'll come up with some loophole why it's slightly inside, but not because we've got a recessed window or recessed entrance or whatever. Um, you know, I mean that that would have good intentions, but it might actually actually stifle design as well because because um, developers might, might might say to architects, they might say, um, you know, this is all well and good, but we we just want to actually build. So can you just come up with a design that actually does this? And then they're going to go, okay, well this building managed to do it, so we're just going to copy that. Really, we're just going to move a couple of things around. We're not actually going to. We're not going to innovate and, and rethink. So it's it's yeah, but that is that's a problem generally. That's yes, but yeah, that, I mean you can talk about things not being designed well. But no, 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 not 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 designed well. What I'm what I'm trying to get at is more um, if you put rules, and I'm not I'm not saying they shouldn't, but the more rules you get and the more specific the rules are, 
the more you fear to making it tick boxes or just having people go, no, well, this is just too expensive, too much effort to build, you know, houses. So I'm just going to, I'm just going to stick to, uh, you know, building, building offices or whatever, something with less, or I'm going to only build affordable housing now, because it turns out anything that isn't deemed affordable housing, you have to go through all these rules. But if I just call it affordable housing, then I can get away with it. Do you know what I mean? It becomes an exercise of trying to get around the rules as opposed to use them for the benefit of the people. Yeah, maybe. And I don't see, like, we're still going to have high-rise buildings. I don't see them going away anytime soon. I don't think they should. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's still, I think it's just probably about learning how to make them as as uh, as nice as they can be. And some are lovely, but it's, it's probably more thinking about the access and how people move around them. Mm-hmm. If, if we just think, okay, well, what's the easiest way of building houses where people don't need to go in lifts and take stairs and use public doors? Well, what's number? What's the number one thing they can do? Well, we'll just build suburbia. We'll um, lighten up on the regulations around the green belt, and we'll just let them build. I mean, that's the obvious solution. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but that is the obvious solution. And I mean, that's the fear if you think about it too. If you don't take, take in the whole package of, yes, it's about hygiene, but it's also about what happens after the hygiene. And if you live in a small flat, the issue with living in a small flat is that you become so insular and that journey from the outside, your exercise to your, your exercise walking top or whatever, to your flat, that becomes dangerous. And then once you're in your flat, that becomes even more dangerous. Um, but in a different way to your mental health rather than any physical. Um, yeah, but I, I think, yeah, I think make, making the spaces that we live in better is a big uh, factor with mental health as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're um, to scream, so, yeah to as well as keeping yourself actually safe. I think a lot of it does come down to making sure you, you feel happy and positive in the space yes. room. I think it does a lot. Mm-hmm. So? Yeah, I'm not going to talk about all these no, topics. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you, you declared that. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. You can you, you pick you pick the next one that took, took your interest. Well, I was quite interested in that uh, home as the new office. Oh, I'd forgotten how good, good these bits were. It is, a good, it is a good article. I make fun of them, but it is... It is good. Wait, sorry, which one? Which one? Home as the new office. Home as the new office, right. During the quarantine, most are forced to work from home. There will be people who will, on the first day of the quarantine, race back to meet colleagues and, and drink that office coffee. But there will be those who will not want to return to the office. So, Are you desperate to get back and drink that office coffee? Doubtful. Do you miss do you miss the so- social aspects of working? Or yes. Is that uh, not? Okay, okay. A few things here. I know it's I know it's a design magazine, so they are kind of talking yeah. to us, but they are kind of not talking to us because the design industry is unique and uh, and that, and that's, you know that that's 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 what it is. But it's just to say that we're kind of forced to work in environments that are more collaborative. Am I saying it's impossible to work from home? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I think the chances of 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 um, of us being able to um, to, to to work 
consistently for a large practice uh, at distance is is very slim, and I think it's slim for a good reason. Um, am I excited to go back to it though? Um, I'm excited for the collaborative bit, yes, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a in a in a wonky way. I just I just mean I like the I like to be able to just have a conversation about my work and and and, and you know you know me I'm I'm very sort of uh, I like to constantly sort of um, uh, it's nothing unique or anything like that, but I mean I'm I'm very uh, I, I like to have my work looked at uh, a lot. Yeah, it's harder for us to, like, it's harder for the kind of creative people, well, collaborative creative practices to work from home. Like, I can tell of creative people who are in their own businesses mm-hmm. just work from home all the time by themselves, obviously. Yeah. But I, th- I think it's quite interesting, perhaps in other areas of working where um, – people feel like people might not want to go back to work and are quite happy yes, working so, so, so let's let's park let's park the design industry but anyway what i do think is interesting is um making office spaces nicer to encourage people to and, go back to them I think yeah. that's making them as desirable as possible and i think that motivates people to work as well i think if you're happy and you or in a working atmosphere that you enjoy, mm-hmm. you'll do a lot better work or a lot more work. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, I think, I think what you're sort of um, uh, uh, helicoptering around is the fact that perhaps the identity of the office is going to change. Instead of thinking of it, okay, this is where I go all day long this is I start my day by entering the building and I end my day by by exiting the building it'll be more of okay so I work at home again hypothetically I work at home you know on a weekly basis 50% of the time but I take my meetings in the office and the facilities are streamlined to make that performance higher but you do your you answer emails and you do all this sort of stuff. You do that from home, so perhaps there's going to be a different kind of relationship to the office being somewhere. And I mean, a lot of industries are already doing that. That's not that's not that won't be a massive surprise to to, to many. But um, but just perhaps for more industries, that kind of relationship of, of of always being in the office is going to change to using the office for only certain tasks and and. As an employer, your job is going to become um, to, to, to to make those make those facilities, those tools um, to get those specific tasks and projects done. They're going to be made better. They're going to be made more attractive, and they're going to have lots of rustic furniture. And, and just because that's what attracts you? No, no, <laughs> no I don't like faux rustic furniture. You know, I don't. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm saying, you know, they're all going to look like WeWorks to try and get people to sort of, and then also when you've got clients or you know whatever it is, um, or interviews with people for, for for new staff, then that becomes much more of a kind of a 
it becomes a sales pressure. And this will also mean that people will take up less space, of course. I mean, that's the other uh, interesting thing about this is if we can reduce office sizes in a city, then, and, and you know, there, there's a lot of talk in the UK in particular about um, converting offices into um, into housing as well. I mean, maybe yeah. we can, and some of it's very successful. I'd like to add as well. Some of it's very successful. Um you know, maybe you could even look at, okay, well, I'm just pulling a number here out of, uh, out of my arts, but um, perhaps you could, perhaps 20% of, of office space is produced. Just, let's just say And that means you can, 20% of offices, which is a lot in London, could be turned into to housing or turned into to, to other to other uh, other things um, that might actually benefit society more than just blank office spaces, um, and that would mean that there's less pressure on suburbia, and then we'd pass we're back back to the previous conversation that we just had about the other the other topic. Um, yeah, um, it might have it might have uh, really really good repercussions. Do you, can you think of anything that that might be bad with? Um, with with this sort of move towards people working from home, do you reckon? I think I think I a worry I have is I some people or some people are gonna be very enthusiastic about going outside and engaging back into society. But I do worry that sometimes people have like maybe gotten used to this and the more ways you learn how to do stuff like in the house, like I've been doing online yoga recently the yoga instructor is going to continue the online yoga even when we're out outside that that she's that's something she's going to take forward mm-hmm. which is okay. interesting and it's probably something i w- would do uh from london just because it's more affordable than london yoga in london but if i could go out to a an exercise class with with real life people that would be preferable mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. returning to going back into the world rather than learning how to do stuff from your house mm-hmm. uh, I think also if more people work from home I mean it saves transport and there's that whole issue as well but, yeah. and, and, and it becomes safer for the people who are, are travelling to work if there's less of them on trains or if they go by car or just getting less people on the road is, and stuff. is there a worry that there's going to be an advent of of, of uh, underfunding as, uh, that would happen from that I mean on the on the flip okay you've got less people less pollution and stuff but um, would there maybe be a situation where that might result in in less people taking the, the tube and thus less tubes are put on the line yeah, I do. Yeah, that would not be a good outcome. I don't think. I think public transport should be more funded, if anything. And it, I guess there's a worry that people might not want to use public transport, and people might drive more just because they feel safer, or mm-hmm. um, they don't want to engage with other people as much. Mm-hmm. Or I know it's going to be a slow progression out of this back to normal life, but that could be a concern. Yeah. But I think I think uh, I think the government are trying to encourage people to cycle and walk, which maybe people who weren't encouraged to cycle or walk before might now. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah. 
maybe something has maybe something has changed that will encourage them. Obviously, not everybody can cycle or walk to work. Not everybody has that privilege. Mm. Okay, shall we? Um, shall we take up one one more and then? Uh, yeah, you can pick uh, one. So the one that 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 draws me the most is, and 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 gets close to my heart uh, is rejection of mass industry. People around the world were struck by photos revealing a new sky over China. After two months of forced abandonment of mass production, they could finally breathe fresh air. This is really interesting. Um, not that necessarily what I just said above would would have anything to do with it per se, but but it's just to say that there might actually be more of an interest in not centralising uh, production to one part of the world. Now, the reason why we've gotten to that stage is, of course, because it's not not just because it's cheaper cheaper labour. I mean, there are cheaper there's cheaper labour outside of China, but it's also because when something reaches a critical mass, when there are enough people producing, there are enough designers in in those environments that are producing the prototypes to be, to be then produced. It just means that you can get if you're a startup, you can get you can get something up and running. You can get a prototype done. In Shenzhen, you can get that done in a week, right? And that's the beauty of there just being so much manufacturing. There are so many spare parts. There are so many materials. It's freely available everywhere. Yeah, which at the moment, that kind of speed is helpful to some extent. Mm, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're but, seeing, we're seeing the 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 benefit of that. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. Uh, well, I mean, are we though? Because. Uh, yes, yeah, some of it's being produced in, in, in China, but I mean, most of the kind of issues is trying to figure out well, how, how the hell we're going to produce on, on our own soil when the whole um, network of cargo and network of, uh, of uh, transport has is, is, is broken down. I mean, is, is that maybe the time exactly now to start thinking about to start thinking about breaking this up. The other thing that I'd like to point out is, of course, back back um, not too long ago, and it still happens partly today, of course. But 100 years ago, we were producing uh, we were producing certain industries in certain countries and certain towns and certain uh, areas, and it was much more compartmentalized, right? So I think anyway, I think what this what this little section here. Um, is, is sort of referring to is just how we might begin to to look differently at where we produce what we produce and with what base resources to do it and um, just how we can make it more sustainable really yeah that's definitely a big thing like um and I think there's there's problems at the moment where they can't get some of the stuff they need, particularly for medical staff. Yes. Because um, of transport links not working or things aren't being shipped around as much. Um, so it's that reliance on another country to produce it for you that isn't working at the moment and you need to kind of, how can we do this closer to home or how can we make it more more sustainable as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think I think maybe we need to have a whole episode about outsourcing. 
essentially. I think I think we need to do that at some point. But but yeah, uh, uh, I think I think it's just interesting to start thinking about how how I mean this is a bigger topic that has been uh, I think bubbling under the surface for a very very long time to try and make some of these bigger news. But uh, but yeah, it'd be interesting. Oh, I, I, sorry, it's one thing that we just skimmed over with this whole manufacturing thing is also um, well, I don't think we skimmed at all. Uh, is of course the conditions where the factory workers are in, where they're huddled into uh, you know very close quarters. Oh, absolutely. That's uh, yeah. I mean, there's the huge humongous problems with that anyway. But um, maybe maybe it does take something like this to get. Uh, things changed um, things improved maybe maybe there could be positive outcomes um, for the way life continues Mm -hmm.